0: Hey guys and welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit podcast. We've got a bonus episode for you today catching up with a good friend of ours Luke Allen. He's been on the show many many times um, but I always say the best thing about the Shrewsbury Biscuit is about the friends that we make along the way and Luke Allen is someone that um, we've been speaking to through many different stages of his of his career Um, as a teenager you know 14 or 15 uh, just writing things, getting headlines in the newspapers and things. we were like, we need to speak to this young guy. We did, and then we've spoken to him uh, on the set of Henry House. Uh, he's, you know, he's in college and he's learning to to become uh, a writer on a set, and he's making his own things. And now we've got Luke Allen, the adult. You know, he's gone away. He's done his own thing. He's now created his own. His own, um, his own label. Um, he's uh, writing sk- great sketch shows. Um, he's doing so much, and we get into some real deep conversation here, which is, um, I think, quite refreshing. Actually, when you can have an adult, grown-up conversation about things like religion and how it fits into uh, writing and comedy, and you know how to be respectful and also also push the boundaries a little bit. I think it was a really good conversation. So, yep, yeah, great episode for you here, uh, Luke Allen. I hope you enjoy it, and I'll catch you guys at the end of this one. Peace out. Enjoy the episode. Hi guys, welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit podcast. I'm um, of course Billy, really. and uh, today I'm speaking to a good old friend, a young, good young old friend, of who's <laughs> featured on the, on the Biscuit many times. Uh, you may a while, uh, remember a while ago, we used to do horses and biscuits, but before then, way before horses and biscuits, uh, we were talking to Luke Allen about his career, uh, making things, and that's who we've got on the show today. How are you, Luke? You good?
1: Oh yeah, I'm good. It's it's been a while. Um, but the yes. past year has like flown by. time doesn't make sense anymore. So things yeah, I
0: had to take it, I had to take a step away from horses and biscuits. Uh there was there was one thing that was brought up to me that it was confusing people. Um t- <laughs> two things on the same channel, uh yeah. the algorithms and stuff, and also because uh there was a point in my time in my life when I was doing Way too much, <laughs> way too much. I was doing the podcast, doing the radio, doing another podcast, running another podcast network, doing this, going to events, running family. But, but yeah, I was kind of making yeah. myself poor. So,
1: and to those of us hands-on with 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 the Rock and Henry House, so much is ha- is taking place that yeah, there would have been a heck of a lot to to cover. It's full speed for like the past uh, year. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's been yeah, so, yeah. so we I, I haven't like we haven't fallen out. I'm still good friends with with Gareth and everybody that's there. I love them guys to bits. Well, I've just been letting you guys do your thing, and it seems like you guys have been doing it really, really well. So, oh, there's that echo. I was like, we were like, where's the echo? There it is.
1: Ooh. Is is it is it good. very prominent?
0: Okay, no, it's fine. It's fine. So, Luke, uh, what what? It's been it has been a while since we spoke. I think um, the last time, oh gosh, I'm trying to think about it. When's the last horses and biscuits we did, Luke? You um,
1: I th- there was a a disability one just before Christmas, I think, like November, December last year. I think that might have been it. Me and Simon and yes, AJ yes. was it? I can't, I can't remember.
0: I do remember <laughs> I that. that I'm one of the last ones I was doing was with Simon Fisher becker that's mm. for sure. Um, but what, what have you been up to, my friend? You've been working hard.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. Apart from everything with Henry House, um, I have uh, sort of. Set up uh, as a uh, production company, Our Seat Knock, um, and I'm doing some sort of general stuff on other films. I'm producer for a short film that's filming in Kent at the moment, but I'm also working on a a, a sketch comedy show, and um, in the late stages of editing a stand-up comedy special for comedian Andy Kind. So it's been it's been busy. It's been full on. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah, and that's what I've always appreciated about you. I think that's what impressed me about you when I I, I first interviewed you way back in 2019 or whenever it was. Um, is is that you? You've got like a bit of a, a good drive, even from a young age. You you've always been had that 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 um, enthusiasm to actually want to go out and make it. Because you know when you're when you was young as you were when you first started, a lot of kids are just there for the ride. You know, go home, have your parents make your dinner for you have your parents clean up all the stuff after you and just enjoy being a kid. You're not like that. You were like, no, I want to do the things that adults do and make things.
1: Yeah. And especially like getting into, I first started making films at 14 and at 14, you know, uh, film companies and stuff aren't offering off opportunities to you. So yeah. So yeah. So I just kept making it. And it's only been probably since I've turned 18 that like I could be taken on by places. Um, but most of the time, to be completely honest, I do still apply, but I don't think I have the time alongside my own stuff to actually like do do um, other bits. But yeah, so there's been all of that, plus the production management of Henry House, which is one of those boring roles that people don't really yeah. think about. I'm the person who sits in an office and answers the phone when there's a problem. Um, and one day that problem was Peter Purvis has broken his wrist in two places and we have to suspend production and raise all the funds again, which wasn't the best one but we're uh that's that's the whole thing if they follow rockin' horse on socials they can see everything that's, that's taking place there to to get back in
0: to, to, I mean, to we, we will catch up with uh, the guys at Rockin horse because i do love them to bits um but you got like i said they've been doing their own thing raising their own money and doing a great job without me so they, they didn't need me in the first place but um i do love those guys a bit so it'd be great mm-hmm. to catch up with them at some point yeah um but like you know going from that transition from finishing college and, and from um, yeah. you know now being able to go out there and step on into the into the big bad world as as like you know like we've kind of put it on this as an adult creator now but you've mm. got that bit of experience that a lot of young filmmakers don't have because a lot of people do start where you are now don't they mm-hmm. they just start there so do you think that's going to help you do you think that's going to slingshot you into sort of filmmaking
1: i i hope so you know um I mean I've I've decided to at the moment I left college to not do the academic route further. There's a lot of um people who decide to carry that on and there's pros and cons. I'm often doing productions and stuff and think, I wish I was in uni and I could hire all this equipment for free rather than have to like bu- budget it all out. But similarly, yeah, I, I I've noticed that it's been nice to sort of have this head start that occasionally, you know, I've been on set. I know you haven't talked about the academic route, but like, yeah, occasionally I've been on set. And the people below me in set hierarchy, I don't like there being a hierarchy, but there is, are people who've just left uni. And it's like, what do what those four years do? That you, you do it and you come out and me who hasn't done anything is still telling you what you need to do. And obviously they, they learn a lot more practical stuff um, through that. But yeah, I'm hoping that I've sort of got a little bit of a head start um, in some ways. But, you know, it's 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 one of those things where you constantly keep learning. You don't know what you don't know. Um, I guess it
0: depends what you want to do in the world of film. I suppose, isn't it? Mm -hmm. If you if you want to become a a producer, um, there's many roles you can you can choose to. A a producer is a an umbrella term for a million different roles, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. If you want to be a a writer, um, you know. But you know, when it comes to when it comes to writing content, I feel like. With you as an example, you can only get better with every single script you write. You get better and better every time, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. And I don't think, um you know, every time I look at one of my scripts or one of my previous projects, that I don't just go, oh, yeah, that's great. I'm super proud of that. As every creative does, you go, oh, I wish I'd changed that. I wish I'd done that. I wish. That. And every project is a chance to fix that and create a whole new list of things that you need to fix for the next one. So you kind of never stop, never get full satisfaction at what you do and just keep sort of uh, working on so yeah there's certain um, things in this new project in this sketch show that I'm trying to like fix errors that i made with Reduce Clear and things like that you know it's a constant sort of cycle but yeah you do sort of keep getting better but as you also said on the, on the producer front it is also like so I've I've been lucky enough to have been asked by a few people to like produce projects and stuff and it's like they bring on as a producer but I do have to specifically ask the question what do you want me to do like it, it, it's not just like you know you come on i could be wrong i've not done sound but if you bring on a sound person they kind of know they're doing sound that's what they have you bring on a producer i'm like do you want me to write contracts do you want me to oversee budget or you do you just want me to kind of sit above and make sure that everyone knows what they're doing there's there's a big sort of spectrum of producer responsibilities um you know as as associate producer on henry house i've probably done more in an associate producer capacity on that, than I have in a full producer capacity on some shorts. It it completely yeah varies about.
0: It's a big project, Henry Houses, and you know it's uh, it's got a lot of moving parts to it. So I'm sure you're, I, and I know from being on set with you that you're you're an asset to to that production. um You know, there's there's uh, so much going on. It's good to have the people that. I guess Gareth knows and trusts on set and you know, I, I guess it must be like that with, with people you've worked with in the past as well. Yes. I mean, I know you, you're doing um, your new project with Alex who you've worked with before. It must be nice yes. to have him on board for that.
1: Yes, it was. And it's, as you said, it's the, the people that you you trust. So, within the sketch show we've got a whole range of like directors so each sketch has been directed by someone else um which is my slow way of learning to let go because i don't think i'm a good director i think i am just a control freak once i've written a script and don't want anyone else yeah. to touch it and so that's a sort of slow way so i brought alex on to, to co-direct that and also he's a, as a producer um because yeah i alex and helen who i don't think has actually been on the biscuit but is in and involved in pretty much everything i've done they too creative that I know I can feedback off. So if I write a new sketch for the sketch show and I send it to them and they say this is utter rubbish, I will listen to them. <laughs> um and similarly, they, you know, they and I think that's what's important. You do need that sort of circle of people that you you trust and that you can feedback on and you get on, which is what's really hard when breaking into it in the first place, you know, is when you're making your own stuff, you need to create those contacts in the first place. And it's probably why pretty much everyone's first film is rubbish is because you, you you haven't yet developed those contacts that can feed back with you and you don't know, know who you gel well with and you know especially a lot of i mean i'm still obviously early projects it, it hopefully in terms of the grand scheme of my career that's still still early but I've, I've you know earlier on stuff you you have to work with certain people to realize that you don't work well with them
0: i think that's uh, it's just there's so many stories like that though in hollywood in, yeah. in uk tv as well you know tarantino very famously works with the same people he has his, his, his crew that he trusts um i mean i'm comparing it to tarantino but uh <laughs> but there do you look at people in the in the industry as as good examples for how you should do your thing or are you just being gonna try and go out there and try to be the one and only luke allen
1: um i mean i've always obviously looked up to richard curtis but a lot of what he does oh, I've, I've seen and he, and he does have a certain kind of small circle of, of regular people he collaborates with and i guess completely unintentionally doing the the whole sketch show thing he he started on not the news that was not an intentional thing when i said i'm going to do a sketch show oh richard curtis did a sketch show that wasn't like the plan but it, mm. it has sort of happened um And uh, yeah, and that all came off the back of Reduce to Clear, which obviously it was the sort of vignettes more than sketches, but um, Reduce to Clear I think was one of the first things I'd written where I felt like this is me rather than like earlier stuff unstable and things, whilst I'm still reasonably proud of of, of a lot of the elements of that. It doesn't feel like me, whereas Reduce to Clear did and then yeah, subsequently this sketch show like I'm writing it and I'm like this I, I feel like I've found my voice as a writer and you know, it's It's technically taken five years to find my voice as a writer. (laughs) So, you know, and and I might look back at this a couple of years down the line and say, I I hadn't found it yet. I can't what question you asked, but I feel like I didn't answer it.
0: (laughs) And this is the best thing about when you make friends doing like the biscuits taking me on so many amazing journeys, but like, I feel like the best part about it is the friends I've made along the way. So when we, when we set up a podcast, like this, it's nice to just sit and just, chew the fat, you know what I mean? That's yeah, what I yeah. Think about it. There's nothing formal about it. And something sketchy, it seems like a great, it, it, it feels like it's got a, a multi-format vibe to it, you know, in a way that, you know, Monty Python can be a stage mm-hmm. show and it was a, success, a successful stage show as well as something that can go on a TV or on the big screen, for
1: example. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. I mean, I did, Um, I, I realise I keep looping things back into every house, that's not intentional, but they were doing a, a fundraiser night not too long ago and I put two sketches oh on stage then and that's the first time I've ever performed my own stuff but I'd like to say it worked I mean I'd have to ask the audience but like you know it was that was a new experience and it it was I've I've sort of you know I've been re-watching a lot of old League of Gentlemen recently I love League of Gentlemen and I've been re-watching some of their old stuff and yeah watching them on stage and hearing the Pythons talk about times when they've done sketches and I remember hearing an interview with John Cleese where he said first time they did their, their show live they were worried because the audience weren't laughing and then someone took them around to the corner and the audience were mouthing along to every word to it. It's like they'd come to a concert where they know all the words and <laughs> hearing that, I was like, I want that. I know it's a big ask, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, I, I aspire to something like that. I think, um, I think you know, that would so drive me
0: crazy. There's, there's a lady that was kicked out of a festival, a uh, festival. At, um, I mean, what it was, it was this, it was, a. Was it a theatre thing? I think it was a oh, theatre yeah, totally thing. She stood yeah. up and she started singing the songs along with her, very yeah, passionately yeah. and lovely. But everybody, everybody else was like, kind of like, shh! <laughs> I'm trying to enjoy the show. Uh, yeah, guess,
1: uh, no, that. I'm always like that in, in like concerts and stuff. I'm like, are we allowed to sing? Do we want to just like? I think
0: somebody was kicked so, out of a Coldplay gig for being a bit too loud recently. You know what that's... I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, I think when I went to 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 see Elton recently um that all kind of um everyone was singing and that of course is a, is a follow up to a thing I think I talked about on here ages ago when yeah. Elton John started our our school choir back in lockdown well about a month and a bit ago we saw him live we met him he gave us lovely tickets and he shouted us out during the show it was a bit it was probably the most surreal thing in front of 16,000 people Elton John saying shout out to the Telford Priory School. This song's for you. It's like, oh, okay.
0: I feel like whenever Elton John says a compliment to anybody, I think there's like, of course it's a wonderful uh, sentiment because it's from Elton John, but also you're not on the other side of him where he's going... Why is my monitor's not working? And he's screaming yeah. at people. Like, it's nice to be on the other end of that, I suppose. Um, it was
1: a yeah, yeah, and obviously only seeing him briefly, didn't see any of this like diva side, so I can't comment neither here nor there. But he was he <laughs> he was lovely. It was, but it also like of all the you know I've been lucky enough across projects to have met a lot of iconic people. Probably none as iconic as Elton John. Until yeah, you meet him and you realise like there's a lot of formalities before actually meeting him. A lot of things you have to go through um yeah. but uh but yeah it's it's there and in, in terms of you know meeting lovely people to to work with that's there's only a few members of cast thus far have formally announced for something sketchy but hopefully similar to reduced to clear there'll be sort of different people that i've looked up to that i've had involved one that i'm really excited about um working with uh, and i've had a couple meetings with her about it uh is lola blue who is in one of the sketches um there was a show on cbbc recently that i suddenly saw loads of people talking about and it was called a kind of spark and it was a children's drama about autism but like there were loads of news stories about it billy banister who was the sound guy in reducer clear worked on it and i thought i'll just check it out on iplayer and as soon as i watched it i was like that lead actress is really good i want to get her in one of my sketches and i just emailed her agent and they said yes, which doesn't normally happen. It's very rare that you get to sit and watch them and go, I want that person, and then it happens.
0: Yeah. I was just looking at it now. It looks, uh, it looks incredible. Anything that brings autism out into the open in in, a, in this way is 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 always brilliant, I think. It's, oh, yeah, and
1: it, it's... it's does it so well it's you know it's written by autistic people a lot of the actors and and crew are are autistic and it kind of it's got this very sort of truthful um element to it where you're you feel you know as as a neurodiverse person myself you're watching it and i haven't realized the lack of representation of certain things until i see it happen and i'm like oh (laughs) i didn't know you could represent that um and so yeah it's 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 very very good and it's i'm very very excited to have lola on board for for one of the sketches in exchange for her involvement we've um arranged uh, to do our headshots and stuff so last week um we met up with her and um mr Bob mackin of bob bob's rocking snaps and got some, some headshots right, sort of. um and it was uh, it was it was really lovely and it's nice to be able to kind of you know offer something in return to those that, that are supporting the project
0: um and that's a good bit of payback for the hard work you've put into writing this. You say, you know, it's taken you five odd years to of experience taking this out, putting this in, putting this together yeah. and to, to suddenly start getting, uh, you know, Lola, people at like Lola Blue to turn up to to help you out. You know, it must mean that you start finally starting to get the credibility that you deserve. Right. Is that how yeah, it feels? I guess,
1: <laughs> I guess so. It's what's been very weird for me is like with reduced to clear and everything before I was 18, I made a big thing in my emails whenever I was asking people uh, like throwing my age in there, because that was always like, Oh, it's the, the 15 year old filmmaker, the 60, you know, and, it, and they were kind of supporting because it was a young up and coming filmmaker. No one really cares if you're 19 <laughs> and making films. So it's like, that's not in the emails anymore. So it's like, they, they aren't, they're, they're tying themselves to the project hopefully because they believe in it and not because they think they're helping a kid. And that that's, It's a bit scary, to be fair. When I, you know, when I turned eighteen, I was genuinely like all the articles and stuff that I've been lucky enough to have covering films I've made have always been young filmmaker this or teenage filmmaker or kid filmmaker, whatever. They've never said if I'm good or not. And and so it was suddenly like the moment I turned eighteen, it was like oh, like I'm entering the the big world now where I'm not going to be I'm not going to be oh he's good because he's a kid. I've got to actually be good. And I'm sure there are many critics out there who would say I've I've not managed that yet. There was one person who called "Reduced to Clear" the least funny thing to come out of Britain since Brexit, and I I nearly put that on my business card. Thought that was great, but it was. Um, I, yeah, I, I you know, feel like
0: was, if you're doing that to someone, though, you're kind of doing a good job. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, like yeah, I mean, was, if someone's cared enough to comment on how bad something is, you've affected them in some way. You know, there is, whether yeah, they're, no, they're, honestly,
1: they're, this this whole review is on um, UK Film Review. I'll, I will shout this out. Uh, it's like a one star review for Reduce to Clear. If you search Reduce to Clear UK Film Review, and it is one of the funniest things I've ever read. I have, um, and I was at a networking event shortly afterwards, and I did just go to people like, hey, I'm the least funny thing to come out of Britain since Brexit. Nice to meet you. And it, like, it, it you know, it's, it was, it was really good, good fun. And it is important and like to just disconnect from those sort of reviews. Find them. So um
0: what's the goal like to make it into like the mainstream? Is it to take something to like can? Um is it is it to create something that you can go and get some sort of awards from and you know, uh, what's the goal?
1: Well for me, I've never been about like the artsiness and I think cinephiles and filmy people uh aren't the general audience for for my sort of stuff as much so um you know which it's a shame because when you're making short films they're kind of the only people who watch short films but i I would love to just make a a, like a sketch show that airs on on tv or have like a sitcom or something that just something that people would watch and say that's good i want to show it to my mum like something that feels so accessible and so sort of just light and, and silly you know i've I have a ton of respect for the filmmakers that can throw in drama and artistic angles and everything else that just feels alien to me. But yeah, for me, like I'm working in in a you know a very short film is a niche area, but trying to make something for a general audience and it's it's difficult. But yeah, that's that's the aim. Is I would love to to have a have a sketch show just like Hair on like BBC Two or something.
0: Oh, so you go terrestrial? You would not go Netflix or Amazon or.
1: Um, like not necessarily i mean you know if if, if someone wants to offer me <laughs> i will say yes to whoever but I, I in my mind probably i'm still like a bit behind on things but in my mind like i do still feel like terrestrial tv is the, the biggest it still still feels like a big deal even if streamers probably are better in that regard I, like,
0: honestly I, I i pay for a tv license and i don't even know why half the time because i can't remember the last time i actually watched something that was made by the bbc i do I some of my favorite shows like Sherlock is one of the yeah. greatest things ever made by anybody. Um, You know, there are, there are examples out there of, of the BBC being absolutely brilliant, but I mainly do stick to streaming and like, that's yeah. just because as soon as Netflix became a thing, I was there. <laughs> they went, you want to, I was like, okay.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. I mean, I also, I also adore physical media and that's, that's dying out. You know, I, I, I may have to come to terms with the fact that by the time if I ever managed to make my any of my stuff a success by the time it is that I might never get to see my work on a DVD that that might just not be a thing, you know, um, but I love physical media.
0: That's, that's, that's a mad Physical media is dying out. You're right. And it's <laughs> I'm I am dying to find even not uh, I, I, I can't remember the last time I actually used a disc, but I'd buy it just because I really want it. And that is a uh, dogma on Blu-ray
1: oh yeah, uh, yeah. Or for,
0: or for, because um obviously that's harvey weinstein's property
1: oh yes that
0: evan smith lost which meant that um you know it's gone now <laughs> it will never be reproduced so if you can find that that's...
1: on blu-ray
0: it's worth some money
1: i'll keep, <laughs> I'll keep an eye out because i i go in a lot of secondhand dvd i'm a big i'm trying to think if i can i mean i not really for your reference but i've got like just piles and of of stuff and is that your homework is that what you do for research um a lot lot, admittedly i i do watch a lot of stuff and especially like when i'm in in the office that i now rent like i've just got box sets of sketch shows that i'll just watch while i write um you know sometimes it's really sometimes it's really helpful other times it is really irritating because if a joke or a sketch is really really good i'll just be angry that i didn't write it which is like (laughs) Very odd, but I remember I was watching. Did you ever see um, Touch of Cloth?
0: Not with... a Touch of Cloth, no.
1: No, so that was a. It was like a spoof crime drama with uh, John Hanna in the lead, and it's like
0: it's a bit like fantastic. Touch of Frost. But yeah, like... yeah, but it's just it. it's
1: just completely absurd. But it's all dramatic actors. Saran Jones is in it as well. Like it's it it it's incredible. But there was one joke in that where there was. Um, they're like heading towards this this body, and they're giving him like the briefing before he goes to investigate, and they say one line where they say he's never been found dead before, so that is out of character. and I was like, that is such <laughs> a good <laughs> line that it just angered me that I'm like, I can't use that. I'd never have come up with that, but I'm annoyed now because someone else wrote that um but for the most part, yeah, i'm I, I kind of research I'm going through uh, I'm re-watching a load of Victoria Wood stuff at the moment that i I adore a lot of her sort of old sketches and that there... and... what's different about?
0: today the way we you know l- watch things and enjoy things because i do feel like the sitcom for sure mm-hmm. and s- sketch shows like your 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 harry enfield and your your yeah. uh you know hail and pace and all those kind of they're, they're not as readily as available they're not making them at the scale they used to i think since the big bang Theory has closed out, i can't think of any large scale sitcom that's actually taking no. the world by
1: storm. That's, that's a really solid, I haven't thought about it in regards to sitcoms, but that is, that is very true. They're kind of just simmering. Down. I mean, like not going out is still going on, but is anyone watching it? I sort of am, but like it's my family,
0: um, there's, um, the, that one was good. My wife enjoyed that one, but that's not really my thing. Um, there's a few things. There's, it was outnumbered, outnumbered yeah, with one, was but not
1: like, like, not properly recently. No, it's like, so um, the sketch show, there's a couple of like niche stuff on on BBC Three that are kind of bouncing about, but for the, the most part, my, yeah. My my, my theory uh, with the sketch show is that it's sort of still there in the form of TikTok and YouTube Shorts and things. Is you know they're not as high budget, but there is some sort of draw to short form comic content. People are watching little skits on, you know, like. I, and they they work people do find them entertaining you know the number of times i'll be scrolling through like youtube shorts or instagram i haven't got around to getting on tiktok i don't really understand it but like you know i I, these youtube shorts works exactly the same well that's what i think is i is i tend to think if a tiktok's good it will find its way onto instagram reels or youtube shorts but even though i don't fully haven't figured out the interface with whatever tiktok that is one of the other plans with the sketch show is as well as having this sort of project be it either just a half-hour short film or maybe it in itself is sort of like a backdoor pilot, each sketch itself is going to go on YouTube, go on TikTok, and kind of be allowed to have its own life away from the sketch show and see whether it kind of picks itself up there because people like short-form content, and I think, you know, sketches are that. And I think scrolling through YouTube and seeing a, a reasonably budgeted, hopefully, sketch show is is interesting and we've got some you know fantastic directors on as well um and mentioned earlier really we've got each sketch directed by a different person some people like me some sort of first-time directors but also like Piotr Skopjak's directing one of them he's BAFTA nominated he made a film with Michael Gambon a couple of years ago and then he's going to be directing me in a comedy sketch like it's it, it, it's it's fascinating and I'm hoping that kind of the different voices and styles of these directors kind of allows each sketch to to feel like its own self-contained thing so how how
0: frequently are you writing new material
1: um so i haven't for a little bit but actually just today i'm thinking this afternoon i've got more time than i thought i have today and i'm i've got a list on my phone over a, a couple of things i want to i want to do just random ideas those risks, don't we? <laughs> that come up so i'll um whether any of them like whether i end up writing things but often you know if you sit down and go i'm gonna write i'm not gonna write anything but if i'm like out on a train and suddenly go oh hang on that'd be funny that's it so there was um i was out with a friend once um and uh, there was a an advertisement for funeral directors and, and the thing said 24 hour service. And just instantly mm-hmm. I turned to my friend and I said, I'm sure an hour or two would be enough. And I was like, that's, I was like, that's the first joke in a sketch. It's not, you know, the most hilarious thing ever, but like that was enough to then expand. And there is a sketch about funeral directors. And that was like where it started. And it's a lot of things like that. I was having a, a conversation with Alex recently. Don't know whether I'll turn this into anything or not, but we were, we were talking about like, if someone really established in an industry died, how great a networking opportunity their funeral would be, but who would hand out business cards at a funeral and try and network like that. That could be a fun sketch. Maybe who knows, you know, and it's, it's just little things. It'd, like be that. A,
0: it'd be a huge undertaking.
1: Mm. That, that was good. I like that. That was. You that. like that? <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> but, uh, but I mean, yeah, come on. I saw his brain
0: crash a little bit then and go, oh yeah
1: <laughs> yeah no it was like yeah i was in a, a, the, the wrong like zone but yeah I'm, i really enjoy and i think sketch writing as well like i have so much respect for writers who are doing um you know long form drama where every character has big backstories and like these detailed reasons you're kind of lucky enough in sketch form the characters can be kind of two-dimensional and just exist to serve the purpose of the sketch and by the moment the sketch ends they do not exist anymore they have no other backstory and i find that fun you know i can throw someone in for a joke where there isn't i don't have to defend why they exist or how such a person could be there
0: I guess that means you could just be a bit more aggressive in your writing and in, in your your delivery of the joke. You know, it kind of times it's got timing right, so you, people are a bit more forgiving. You're right, where when it comes to sketches, they don't need to be like, "Oh, where's the Uncle Ben story in Spider Man's thing?" Like they, they just know automatically that like, this is just a well, joke. That's it.
1: And it's like there's um, there, there's one sketch I did uh, live recently where like I think one of the biggest laughs genuinely came from revealing a backstory slightly. It was only the slightest thing. And it's a joke that's definitely been done before, but it was a very, it was a scene with a shopkeeper and it was a very absurd, stupid scene. Lots of silly things happened. And at the very end, the shopkeeper just turned to the audience and said, I wanted to be a doctor. Like that's, and that in itself, it's like, you don't expect a backstory. And suddenly when that's revealed, that's funny. Um, and and I think it's it's that. I also, just in case I neglect to mention later on, want to say that um, all of the stuff with the sketch show, even being in production now, is greatly thanks to a, a Telford-based company called PNP Events. Um, they organise a lot of stuff, like when the Polar Express comes out around Christmas and stuff across the country, and they are funding the sketches, um, which is something I never thought would happen. I don't really have to worry about the crowdfunding side for a lot of these sketches or what the budget's going to be, as long as it's not insane, the people at PMP want to support and get it made. And it's, that's a very new surreal experience, really.
0: Oh, that's great. Uh, I think Telford's doing some great things at the moment with, um, with promoting, I mean, like I've always thought Telford as a, you know, I, I did write to the council and be like, look, I know that Telford struggles sometimes and it could do a bit of positivity. Let's do like a Telford biscuit, <laughs> you know, yeah. let's let, I can't do it, but I have like the, the infrastructure in place. But yeah, like over the last, over the last 18 months, two years, I feel like Telford have been doing really good. You know, some of the events that they've been putting on in the park have been really, really good. Uh, some of the, the magnificent talent that's been coming out, especially with music, uh, from Telford has been fantastic. Um, I feel like there's a, a great upward trend for Telford, and this isn't me being disrespectful to the town. I, I you know, I no, yeah, there.
1: no, I, I absolutely agree. It's and and the general vibe. You know, I was at a, a networking event at the at the House of Lords for a film do thing recently, and like, uh, of course you were. I was I was at the house. I was, I was at the House of Lords. <laughs> but if if you say Telford to some of these MPs and these film people that are there, the way in which their facial expression goes. Says all you need to know about how the rest of the world views Telford, but yeah. there is a lot of good stuff coming out of there, and I think that that will change. You know, with we, it's happening to an insane degree with with Wrexham, and I think to, a, to another level, Telford is is got a lot of creators coming out. As you said, especially in music, like the I know so many Telford musicians that are doing incredibly well, and these, these their music is yeah reaching places that I never thought it would. And it's, people are actually starting to know of Telford and not just that place near Birmingham.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, that that will happen. I think in time and you know, it's um, what the way I look at it is New York is one of the angriest cities on the planet. They'd seen, they've written songs about it. But I think when it comes to like people of anger and passion, there's also a few, a few examples of where, raw talent can come from that you know and maybe there's something in that in in telford certainly in Wrexham, both of those towns by the way i grew up in (laughs) so like i can say i can sit here and say these things like you know um so i mean like hopefully hopefully there's there's something good and it's nice to see a company helping you in your development because they obviously see the potential in you you know
1: yeah it was very lovely it was um you know uh very sort of surreal because I was looking for a business to to fund some of the project and they just like went went to levels I didn't expect um and I didn't I didn't know there was such a big operation like coming out of Telford, you know it's a it's a company that reaches nationwide and they have offices and workshops and stuff in the center of Telford, like and it's and you, you step through and they've got like big teams building the, the sets and things for what they're doing and loads of costume and loads of equipment. And it's like, this is just taking place in Telford. I wouldn't have, I would have guessed that they'd be operating at a London or Birmingham or something, but yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's in, in a sort of industrial unit in, in Telford and yeah. it's, they're a fantastic company and it's, it's, it's definitely worth checking out the events that they, that they hold.
0: Amazing. Um, is there anything that you like, is there a white whale for you? Is there something that you really would love to tackle one day? I mean, obviously you just as an adult, you are starting out your, your career now, but is there, yeah. is there something that you would really love to get your hands on as a film?
1: Hmm. That's, that's interesting. I mean, one part of me would, you know, reaching full ambitious, one part of me would love to do something in, in, in the world of doctor who, but another part of me is a oh, doctor okay. who and knows how cynical that all Doctor Who fans are. And I don't know if I could take it. I don't know if I could, you know, write an episode and cope with people talking about it being the worst episode ever written or the, the ways in which that fandom talks about that. Maybe I'm happier being part of the fandom rather than being being part of the, the area. But that that is, you know, that is on my list as... Not that I'd ever expect it, but if someone offered it to me, I would probably say yes. <laughs> but, you know, but it's... I don't know, I wrote a... Um, for the, for the BBC writers room thing, cause they, op- they open up um, every year for submissions of pilots. It didn't get anywhere, but I wrote a, uh, a sort of rom-com set within the film industry, uh, especially indie filmmaking. Um, and I, 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 even though I just wrote it for the pilot, I, I sort of fell in love with my own characters there. And I just loved what I'd written for this thing there that I kind of, in the back of my mind is like, I, I want to expand this. I want to, have a probably like six part limited series story and then that's it but you know in in the back of my mind it's like if i could make a sketch show and then i could expand into being a name that the bbc would trust to to give a comedy drama to that would be it but um also one of my big callings I, i think is and i haven't quite figured it out yet but is as um, a filmmaker with a of Christian faith I don't like Christian movies most of them and I have felt uh, some sort of calling is to try and figure out how to do it properly and do it well right. is, there,
0: is, is there enough of the Christian community that can enjoy something that's a tongue-in-cheek dig at them without it being an atrocious
1: some, Sometimes I mean you mentioned Dogma earlier I was you know I, I enjoy Dogma I don't know whether I agree with Dogma but I can appreciate what it's doing and I can, it made me think, and I think it's a very intelligent piece of filmmaking that, that knows what it is. Even if it is criticizing it, it it knows what it's criticizing. And I don't, I don't even know if it's criticizing. I also love life of Brian and things like that. I think they, they open up stuff and I think, yeah, it's, it's a conversation I've had with a lot of people and it, it differs from person to person. For me, I think Christians, we take ourselves too seriously. And I think that, we need to be able to see the sort of tongue-in-cheek, funny side. I think ridiculing Christ and ridiculing Christians are two very different things, yeah. and you can ridicule Christians without ridiculing Christ, which is where the, I I would find more issue. I love. Uh, do you ever see a show called Rev? A uh, sitcom with Tom Hollander and Olivia Coleman. No, there's a there's no. a
0: sitcom with Tom Holland in it.
1: Tom Hollander, sorry. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant Spider Man. (laughs) Uh, uh, No, it's uh, Tom Hollander and Olivia Coleman. um, It's a BBC sitcom about uh, a vicar. And it is written by a lot of comedy writers, but they also had a big team of consulting vicars. And so it is like accurate but funny. And is the church taking the mick out of itself? And it is, I mean, it also is appealing to people who have no connection to the church whatsoever. It's genuinely a really funny sitcom. But a father's head, which was but, absolutely yeah. outrageous. Um, <laughs> and it's, you know, it, it's stuff like that, I think, is is important. And most Christians I know that have seen Rev enjoy it and appreciate what is there. So I think there is um, a place for stuff that kind of is a bit sort of tongue in cheek about the faith, but it's,
0: I guess we've like, you know, you're talking about, you know, the, the least funny thing to come out of Britain. You've got to kind of sometimes just accept the fact that there's going to be a, a one or a handful of people. that's just not going to dig what you're, you're doing you know what i mean you kind of got to expect those bad reviews regardless of what it is you're doing so you might as well just oh, do it. it
1: absolutely and that that's that's what's there and i think for me that's what is sometimes difficult in in criticizing christian media is i think a lot of christian movies get it wrong but i i feel like there's something especially within the sort of, and there have been some films that i have i don't want to say named and shamed but essentially have, but also like these are filmmakers with good intentions and i I find it very odd going onto a platform and being these are wrong you know but also Expanding upon it, so there is. Um, I was very excited to find out yesterday that there is a Christian Film Festival in Sheffield this year, where it is not just for Christian films, but it's for Christians within the film industry to talk with each other, with each other, and hold talks about making stuff. And I was like, I did not know that this niche was was reached. Um, so I have I have submitted some stuff there. I've also uh, they they accept talks from people, so I've I have applied to give a talk. Don't know whether they'll they'll take it on, but. I, that that for me was one of my my big things was I've had I had a lot of issues uh, years ago watching Christian movies and I was complaining about it and I felt like I, I heard God say to me do something about it then and so that's kind of it but I think the majority of Christian movies are preachers trying to be filmmakers and that doesn't work. This, I think I mean, there's a who has allegories and messages instead
0: (laughs) there's a a, literally lists and reams and reams and lists and lists of these these amazing videos where um you know american pastors have tried to do a bit of hip-hop or they've tried to make a film or the you know there was a scene recently with jesus on a boat and they're trying to (laughs) it was like there's some mad stuff out there if you could do if you could you know break christian comedy into into the mainstream i think that'd be great i feel like especially if it's something that you know, you can watch as a non-Christian and yes. not feel like you're being preached to. Do you know what I mean? Well, that, that's that's it.
1: And the the issue that I find is that a lot of Christian movies that are out there um, treat themselves as evangelistic tools. They are making it to convert people, but yeah. they're getting it wrong on the first step by calling it a Christian movie. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: because Christians are the only people that are going to see it, and that is, you know, to just have messages of love and things like that. That is, that is what is at the heart of, of Christianity. This is where, um, yeah, also where um, it gets it wrong.
0: <laughs> Seth Macfarlane with family guy gets it yeah. totally right. Because even though some of the stuff is pretty vulgar and they do poke fun of a lot of people, eventually there seems to be a message at the end where it's like, Oh, I love you guy." You know, like there seems to be a, a lesson learned. And I remember reading about, um, a, a preacher that, that used, Simpsons episodes as sermons, because there's always a story, a, a, a way of telling a story in a in a in a way that that's teachable.
1: Well, I edited a a video essay um, for for Andy Kind, who actually is the is the comedian that I did the special for recently, and he, as well as a comedian, is is a preacher. He'll sometimes go to um, churches and stuff, and he'll do a comedy night on a comedy gig on the Saturday night, and then a sermon on the Sunday morning and like but he like he he did we did a video on his youtube channel a while ago that was how the terminator could be read as a a biblical allegory and like it was fascinating and also i thought it was great as a title because you go no it can't and then you listen to it go yeah no fair point um but it was like and I, i find what he does fascinating you know he is a comedian and a preacher simultaneously and sometimes those lines cross and Sometimes they don't. And he isn't instantly alienating his audience by just making, like... you call, If you call someone... You know, I remember hearing a couple of people talk about this. Um, if your plumber's a Christian, you don't go promoting them, oh, there's this Christian plumber, you know. But, like, if you're a Christian who is a comedian or a Christian who is a filmmaker or a writer... And I think it's good that, like, if you write something or you make something, people can sort of see, see it as an expansion of yourself. But similarly, like if you go and ask people who are atheist or different faiths or whatever, Oh, do you want to go and see this Christian comedian? It, it, it completely eradicates the fact that you're just going to see comedy. I guess it
0: depends on how strict you are in your faith. Cause I mean, like, I guess like if, you know, if someone was, someone was going to come to you and say, right, Harry Potter's taken off. Luke yeah. Allen, we need you to write some Harry Potter shorts in some Christian backgrounds. That would be like, not, cool at all um well yeah. I, I guess you'd snap their hands off when they, they asked you to write harry Potter
1: shorts like yeah no jk rowling would be the other uh, side of that conversation <laughs> um, but uh, yeah that's, that uh, that, that's a different thing but yeah essentially it it does it does differ and you know i'm never going to be one to tell people as to tell christians oh, you should accept this, or you shouldn't, you know, you you should just, like, suck it up and appreciate this film. You know, there are lots of stuff that I enjoy watching and films that I can appreciate that other people might find it a hindrance to their own beliefs or their ideas, you know. I yeah. wouldn't go to even dogma, you know, I wouldn't go to the church and say everyone needs to watch dogma. It's a case by case thing. Some people would find it well
0: neither would you say we need to burn every single copy of Dogma no. either, would you? I
1: think it's I think it's 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 yeah, it, it differs person to person. Um I re-watched Evan Almighty recently hmm. and Bruce Almighty, but I, I I was surprised to find Evan a better film. Um I, but, I
0: quoted uh, Bruce Almighty yesterday in a podcast. <laughs>
1: But like, they are secular films with Christian messages, and they work (laughs) because they're not calling themselves Christian films. And I genuinely think that is the key stumbling block. Um, But yeah, this wasn't a tangent I expected to go on. But this is
0: yeah, that is no, I'm enjoying this because you know I've learned to be more accepting of um, of of, of the faith around me. I mean, I'm not I'm not a a religious guy, um, but my wife is catholic and timmy's just had his first holy communion um and you know i am i am kind of coming to be more accepting of the fact that this is happening in my family and i, yeah. I am i love my kid and i love my wife regardless okay care, don't go to church and they don't they don't you know uh <laughs> they don't think i'm a bad person for not going to church yeah. and i don't think it's a hindrance that they go to church it is we are a family we love each other we just got two different beliefs and that's i think that's okay
1: yeah, absolutely. Having that sort of like re- respect and the the knowledge and awareness, I think, yeah, is is just key. And you know, I'm similarly like I, I am trying to become aware that like if I want people to listen to my side and have conversations, I need to become more aware of other beliefs and more and less sort of you know blinkered on, on my views of things as well. So I am, you know, I will watch different video essays and things about different faiths and different beliefs, and even points that I don't agree with on a christian level you know certain things that i don't understand because i i think i need to hear both sides if i mm-hmm. expect someone to hear mine you know and it's it, it, it's it's interesting also i recently started going to a new uh, to a new church and uh, the pastor's favorite film was about time so i'm staying there <laughs> <laughs> <I love that. laughs>
0: <laughs> i love how you like you choose your church by the their, their, their uh, choice of movies you know
1: <laughs> yeah no, it came up a couple a couple of weeks into it i was chatting with the pastor a guy called um, tim Hughes, who is like he, he's great um but yeah i was chatting with him at like a sort of networking he well not networking it was like a welcome meeting thing and um he brought up richard curtis and i can't remember how that came up and then i mentioned about time and favourite like mud- oh, <laughs> <my favorite film." laughs>
0: Imagine this quiet church, and he
1: mentions Richard Curtis, and then there's Luke Allen. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was great. It was it was it was lovely. But yeah, it's a it's a really nice. I suppose I go to a place called Gas Street. It's in Birmingham, so I kind of alternate weeks because I went as a one-off and then felt called there, not just because he likes about time. But um, <laughs> Tim Tim Hughes, the the lead pastor, is. Um, I didn't even realise that, that. Like I didn't know his surname until I was a, a couple of sessions in there that he's the guy who wrote a lot of the songs that every other church i've been to sings so like it is cool but yeah um i I think
0: it's nice though i think it's nice to 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 be able to have these conversations i think Mm -hmm. like with, with social media and, and you know, the whole Trump of it all and yes. the, the J.K. Rowling's of it all and you know, all these kind of arguments that go on social media, I feel like you're either going to wade into uh, a conversation with an opinion or, you know, some sledgehammer of an opinion or you're going to avoid the conversation altogether. I feel like if we can learn to just all be sort of, like, respectful of each other's boundaries and mm. learn that we can just talk about these things. You don't have to, like, pussyfoot around uh, asking a question about something. It's, it's like... Um, it's like we we're talking uh, with, with Verity, my co-host, you know, we we're talking about, you know, sort of cancer treatment and stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, Having worked around, been around people that have, have had treatment and stuff, I've learned how to actually have conversations about those things. Whereas before, I'd be like, I would not speak to them because I want to say the wrong thing. I put my foot in it. Do you know what yeah,
1: I mean? Yeah, no, I, I get that. It's kind of, yeah, which, which in itself seems, like, could could come across as worse. But similarly, yeah, I've had certain people where I've just been like, I'm going to say the wrong thing, so I'm going to either talk to you about something completely different, which probably seems really insensitive. It's like, oh, did you see this new show on TV last night? Let's ignore what's going on here. But, like, it's... it's Yeah, you kind of need to... And, and, and social media doesn't, doesn't help with that. There's a reason that all of my social media is probably just kind of promoting stuff I'm working on or sharing my friend's work. I don't really, like, involve myself in conversations because... I mean, you're also, like... I, I don't want to be one of these oh, cancel culture because I, th- th- it's a lot deeper than that, you know, and there are certain people need to be held accountable for certain things and that, that, and, and pushing everything in, in one box, like cancel culture is hard. But similarly, like, you know, I, even on podcasts and stuff, I'm trying to break into an industry where anything that I have said could be taken out of context, could be soundbited and sent to me. With screenshots of tweets from five years ago, you know, where I've just come across wrong, and so I am having all of my social media, all of, every time on a podcast, I have to listen to it the minute it comes out. Like, to check how everything sounds. Yeah. Um, You've always been
0: kind of like that, though. kind of like yeah. that about you. You're kind of careful. Whereas I'm kind of like, well, you know me. I've been doing this for a sometimes, long time. And...
1: Sometimes I'll see discussions on social media, and I'll be like, I want to get involved in that, but also like, just by having that conversation on a public forum, my career is on the line. And like, I, I might not be saying anything bad, but like it could be misconstrued as such I could be you know you can you could like someone's tweet and they could turn out to be a horrible person and suddenly you're endorsing you
0: know well, look at the james james gunn movie forty three research uh, posts that were like that what caused them to get fired from disney I mean they yeah. were horrible messages and he he did put his hands out and say they had, they were terrible things we were writing, but they were genuine like they were for skits they were for they were for sketches that he made yeah. from movie forty three uh, they were taken completely out of context, but I mean, they were horrific. The content in those those tweets were horrific, but they were for a purpose. They were making comedy about things that we're just not you're not supposed to laugh at. But people kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. I mean, thankfully, I've,
1: I've I've seen movie forty three. I don't think you're supposed to laugh at the whole film. It's awful, but oh, yeah, <laughs> but but yeah. Now I get you, and it's people should be allowed to change, and people should be allowed to adapt, and yeah, that the, the, the internet culture hasn't quite caught up with that yet and you know there are some people who should be held accountable for stuff there's you know um all the once again i'm going to throw in the word allegedly a few times here just just to reiterate but within the doctor who fandom what went on with with noel clark was thrown in the same box as john Barrowman exposing himself for humor on set those are both bad things but they are very different stakes, but they are thrown in the same box as yeah. genuine sexual abuse and something that isn't good, but everyone on set as well. The majority of people on set, as far as I'm aware, were not uncomfortable. Yeah. with I, it, it, I, I, The
0: whole, the whole cancel culture thing. I think you're right. You don't know what, like the whole, the, this stuff that's, I, I, I don't know if you're aware, but there's a footballer, Deli Ali um who's just done a, a an interview of Gary Neville. Uh, Deli Ali was one of the, the the most popular midfielders in the country. Um he suddenly dropped in form, got dropped by his team, got dropped lower, 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 lower. And everybody's like oh, Deli Ali's crap, all oh, you know footballers be. Yeah. But he's just dropped this interview and it's it's absolutely mind-blowing when you look look at his life and the things he's got through his addiction to drugs mm-hmm. the abuse he su- ha- suffered when he was a kid and um, all of these things that's going on with him and you think how quick people are just to be like oh he's terrible you know always oh, this or always oh, that like he's got a lot going on in his in his actual yeah. life and no, it's, like, it's the same thing yeah
1: yeah and to kind of slightly link that um to the world I know of, of, of the Doctor Who fandom whilst it's not directly in their life um, an interview was released shortly after Chris Chibnall left as showrunner of Doctor Who and general acceptance for most of the fandom uh, which I have been partaking in the conversations of slightly is that he wasn't a good writer for, for Doctor Who but this the later season, which was under a ton and ton of criticism, he did an interview um, shortly after he left where he was talking about how they had to structure it because of the pandemic, how they had to write it in a way that if one of the actors caught COVID, they could literally change the entire schedule like that and go, we're going to film these scenes instead. And the fact that anything got made is, a, is incredible under those conditions. For it to be a coherent story is impressive under those conditions. It,
0: yeah. It's not
1: good, but it is still... You know, an impressive thing, and I, it is you were very quick to judge the quality of something without the context. And you know, there is there are both sides there. You you could you could turn that back on me at what I've said about some of these Christian movies that have got it wrong. I am judging their uh, nobody will the be- you know, There is yeah. the, the, in the general form of media criticism. you the, the, There's a line that I don't think we quite know, which is judging something purely on what it is or judging it based uh, comment on... comment
0: threads are the worst, and sometimes yeah. I wade in there. I don't know, maybe to punish myself, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> we all do it. I think it's just out of curiosity more than mm. anything. But, um tell us, I know we're running short on time, but mm. um, ask C. um mm. what are your intentions with it? What is it, and, and how can people help you?
1: yeah so um i set this up uh start of april um it had been in the works for a long long time mostly because i kept not having a name um yeah. <laughs> and everything else in place and i was like i could not come up with the company name and then uh, you might you know you, you probably heard me say many times you don't ask you don't get and that that's been my whole approach um there's a, bit, there's a There's a passage in, in the Bible, which is, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock on the door will be open to you, which is like the Bible version of you don't ask, you don't get. Um, and then I realised, ask, seek, knock, A-S-K, it's ask again. And I really liked that. So that, that oh, became... That
0: I didn't even realise that. I don't
1: yeah. Know why. Um, and so <laughs> that's like kind of what I've, I've done. So it's sort of... Um, I wanted to set myself up as a sole trader. I've kind of, I had Bottle o Productions was a thing which I had for ages and I hated the name. And I was like, I, the, the more stuff I do under that name, the harder it is then to break out of that. Um, and also like, you know, I'm, I'm offering, setting myself up as a sole trader and I could just do that under my own name or I could set it as a company. Um, so we'll produce into, uh, our own sort of original content through our seat knock, which is like, um, when the the sketch show and andy kind's uh new comedy special when that gets uh dropped on some streamers and stuff it will have the Seat knock logo at the start and the end you know that was that is the actual company but similarly it's a website where people can use to hire me for for different projects find examples of 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 what i do as a producer as a writer and as a production manager there's also if people don't want to like hire me as a producer without any you know, knowledge of, of working with me. Cause that's a big role to give someone you've never met. That is, you know um, there is a crew call out part of the site, which is almost like a free trial of me as a producer, which is if you're an indie filmmaker and you are short of a sound person or you're short of a lighting person or a few runners or something, you can fill out the form on our website and completely free of charge. I will try and find you people and you can then see you know my my hopefully skills in sorting you people obviously i can't guarantee that the people i know and the people i can find will say yes but it's you know facebook groups in especially in the film world are toxic and horrible and i've used them so many times to yeah. for either you know for for low or no budget projects and it's like you can't be not paying these people and it's like but i've, like, I've got 50 quid to make the whole thing on like it, you know we're not direct. you can just say no Enough. that is you know, and, and so it's a little, it's a little bit like that. Um, so yeah, but similarly, you know, it's just I said I wait people to hire me for for other projects. So like I'm producer on a, a short film called Got Your Nose at the moment, and so they could contact me. I mean, I knew Stuart already, but like it could contact me through the website and uh, get me on there. It's sort of just a place for all of my stuff.
0: Um, all of your stuff. But,
1: yeah, got Got Your Nose. I will briefly promote because that'll uh, we're doing the last day of filming fairly soon, and then I imagine it will. out in the coming months and that's a a short film um about a guy who whose uncle played got your nose with him when he was a kid and he's grown up to the uh to early adulthood and he's gone to see a therapist uh because he believes he still has no nose (laughs) and it's like it's it's played as like a straight drama but with this really stupid premise and it's one of my favorite scripts i've been i've been sent the guy who who's writing and directing a guy called stuart hardy I have been a fan of his YouTube channel since I was like 12. So it was very surreal for him to be like, nice. well, you can produce this short film. Um, but it's, it's very, very, very good. And What's that? Um, yeah.
0: there's a Netflix uh, documentary and it was a parody. And it was like, Who Drew the d- in the car? Um, I can't remember what it was called. Mm. It was basically like, and they, they did it proper deadpan. Oh, that's um, So they did like, it was like, Who Drew the d- obviously I'll beat this out who drew the on <laughs> the car and it was like and they, they, they did the whole sit down Netflix well last I saw Billy was hanging around the car park two o'clock you know uh, but he's not a guy to do that kind of thing you know they, it was yeah. so brilliant how they did it
1: well, I think that is what's fantastic, and that's one of the reasons why a lot of the directors that I've approached—not all of them, but a lot of the directors approached the sketch show—are dramatic directors. Like Piot, he he does Waterloo Road and um, EastEnders and Doctors, and like big like his his films like thrillers and stuff. He is not a comedy director, but I don't want him to direct it like there's jokes. You know, I want the. I, I want it to be treated as though it's normal dialogue because I think that's funnier. Not always, but for the most part, I think the the yeah, the comedies that are funnier are those when you you play it completely deadpan. And um some of the scenes we've shot already for, for Got Your Knows, like it's only a ten minute short, but like I'm watching it and genuinely like t- nearly tearing up and getting emotional about these scenes. And I'm like but hang on, this is the guy talking about how he thinks he has no notes, but it's played so well that it still like tugs on your emotions. Um, so that yeah, that that, um, that very much looking when that comes out. I don't know where it will be or what it will be, but it'll for the be listeners all- at
0: home, the uh, the documentary I was talking about as well is called The American Bundle. Definitely check that out ah. on Netflix. It's brilliant <laughs> because, like you just said about got your nose you you you've, you really get stuck into it and then you realize this is complete satire <laughs>
1: like Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, did you ever did you ever watch um being john malkovich yeah of course yeah because um, i thought yeah because that that's one of the prime examples for me of like it's the most stupid idea for a film but they play it like it's a really serious drama Absolutely. and like it's incredible and so yeah, it's the, 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 that's that's there. But comedy is definitely, you know, I probably said when we we're doing reduced to clearance stuff, but since I did unstable and things before that, um co- comedy is my home. I'm not I'm not leaving comedy <laughs> anytime soon. I that that's where I feel the most me. Well, I think it's uh,
0: I think it's great catching up with you every now and again because yeah. your career from you know from fourteen, fifteen having me having to write to your parents to get permission for you to come on the biscuit, you know, back in the day Um <laughs> to seeing where you are now, it's been a real pleasure. It really has. And I'm really excited for your future. I yeah. feel like you're working on some great things and you're a good friend and it's nice to catch up with you. And, you know, we will do some stuff with, uh, with rocking horse media as well with Henry house. We will catch up with them at some point. Um, I know it seems like we just completely dropped off the face of the planet as far as that's concerned, but I was, if you've been following the Shoes with Biscuit on social media, you'll see we have been nonstop. Like (laughs) even just for the last month alone, we have been absolutely killing it. So, um, you know, there's a reason why you did that.
1: You've got an insane workflow coming out. I I am constantly looking on your page and being like, I don't think I can like even listen to this much content. So it's, uh, it's, it's great. And you've had some, some really like cracking interviews coming out. So yeah, um, it's a, it's a pleasure to be, to be back on um yeah and uh yeah it's one final time of yourself <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: well um before we leave last thing i want you to do is to tell people where they can follow you
1: yeah that's that's all like officially changed with my rebrand so that's cool so i mean there's rc um and then twitter instagram and maybe facebook i don't even know if i'm
0: doing facebook Are you on threads yeah. as well
1: I haven't yet. I was, I thought I'd give it a couple of weeks and see if like people are still talking about it. Um, but uh, I'm, if you just search for either ask Seatknock twenty three or ask Luke Allen, and that was my handle for everything. Llama Bottle Zero is dead. Um, okay. that, that that rebrand has. <laughs> I finally bit the bullet and changed my Twitter. Um, so that's, but yeah, ask Luke Allen is probably where you will find most stuff, and me not getting involved in in Twitter debates. Um, <laughs> So, yeah.
0: <laughs> good effort good effort on, on your on your part there well luke it's uh been great chatting to you i'll let you go we've been going for an, over an hour now but thank you also as well for like uh because this was a very short notice uh podcast so thank you for getting in touch and, yeah, and the show. Yeah.
1: thanks for having me on
0: brilliant cool well um i'll let you go don't go anywhere though. Properly, properly, yeah, I'll, I'll kill this. But um, thank you very much for joining the show. I'll end this with uh, a bit of an outro, guys. So keep listening. But ladies and gentlemen, Luke Allen, cool. So what do you think of that then? Great episode. Um, I love catching up with, uh, with old friends on the show. Um, it has got me thinking about who have we, who haven't we spoken to in a, in a long while that we could bring back on the biscuit. If you want to come back on the show and you 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 know you've been on before, get in touch. Nothing better than catching up with old friends um thank you so much uh to tuning into you know making a, this your choice of listening today i really do appreciate it if this is your first time listening to the shrews for biscuit podcast please give us a follow on our social media we're on facebook we're on instagram we're on twitter we're on linkedin we're on threads uh we're on tiktok um there's so much going on uh, and we would appreciate uh, your follow or your subscribe. I really do appreciate it. Uh, a quick mention before we get out of here, Pod Aid. I am very much in the, in the midst of Pod Aid planning. Um, if you're not aware of what Pod Aid is. It is a twenty-four hour live podcast charity event that we put on every year to raise money for Lingan Davis. Um, we've done it for the past two years. This is going to be our third and possibly final year. I don't know how it's going to work next year um, with uh, with you know prof- professional commitments and what have you. Uh, but this is definitely going to be a good year. We've just uh, we just found our venue. Uh, we got a venue. I'm just looking for guests now. We're looking for sponsors, uh, putting a team together. Um, but yes, Pod Aid is very, very much uh, alive and it's going to be back. It's going to be on the 11th of November, which is unfortunately Remembrance Weekend. Uh, but it's the only weekend we could get uh, with our producer. So we are going to be there uh, for the whole 24 hours from that on that weekend we're going to get some great guests and uh, if you want to get involved what's going on look for pod aid on facebook and on instagram and also on youtube it seems really daft for me to ask for you guys oh can you give us our youtube our youtuber subscribe even though there's nothing going on there um actually it helps um because once once the content starts uh, you'll get those notifications up when they start and uh, also it helps uh, bolster our algorithms and stuff so yeah uh pod is very much coming on the 11th of november anyone that wants to get involved please get in touch with me my email is shrewsburybiscuitpodcast at gmail.com right thank you luke uh thank you guys for listening and i'll catch you guys next time peace out